What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Bass and Hannah podcast. Today is an extremely special day because not only are we live on location from our guest's office, um, I actually have the pleasure of interviewing or speaking with somebody that I look up to greatly um, and who has been such a positive impact on my life. So um, without further ado, I would like to introduce Natasha Korkman to the show. Thank you so much for being Thank here. Thank you. I'm so excited, although really the real reason is because the past few guys before me all were like bald dudes. <laughs> so yeah. you're like... Well, you're you're a girl, and you have hair. <laughs> you're you're the that's, that's you're the first woman on our podcast, so that's a milestone in itself. And also, you are the first person with hair on your head. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, okay, so the as with this podcast, what I like to do is do a lightning round. So we are going to take turns firing off five get to know you questions, so the audience can get to know us a little bit better. Uh, if you don't want to answer a question, you have to do a shot. Special shout out to Houndstooth Vodka, which is Natasha's own vodka or something that she's behind. Um, so we are going to uh, be doing shots. Black shots. So it's Hound's black, black Vodka, and we're going to do shots of black vodka. But I am a little scared with this lightning. No, don't. Round. I'll go first. I'll go first. Okay. okay. Since we talked about the black shots, why do you always wear black? Well, for me, it's, um, I feel most confident when I wear black. And one of my first clients was CIBC. And so I was doing work for like a financial services uh, client. I was working really closely at the time, actually, with the CEO, which was um, uh, John Hunter okay. and their CMO, uh, Stephen Graham. And I just felt like I wanted to blend in a little bit more. I, I My uniform were black turtlenecks and black pants. Right. And um, whereas a lot of the women around me were wearing like pastels and like, and you almost noticed what they were wearing before you paid attention to what they were saying. Oh. And so for me, it was really more about, I wanted my ideas to stand out. And I just thought that black uniform gave me the, a, the confidence, but also gave me this opportunity to um, have my ideas stand out as opposed to what I was wearing. Wow. That is a different take on like the woman in a workplace thing because most people like lean into their strength, you know, like mm-hmm. like women like naturally look better than men. So like when you accentuate features, but you're like, no, I want my work to, to be the thing. It was the opposite for me because I just felt that I wanted it. I didn't want any distractions and that was a great way to be able to, um, to do that. And then it became an identity for me because I was like, it's easier to get dressed in the morning. I don't really have to think about, you know, color. I don't, and, right. and I always just felt best wearing it so I had this uniform black turtlenecks black pants and then I leaned into the fashion part of wearing black a little bit more but certainly in the early days um that was that was the uniform very cool okay your turn my turn see layups right that, that was, was yeah, that wasn't yeah. bad that wasn't bad I actually wrote out my uh questions one of them was like you and Marina have been together for a long time yeah and so I'm just kind of curious like who chose who did you choose Marina? Did she choose you? Oh. Like what? Like what happened there? Because you have one of the, I think the best relationships oh. out there. I love how respectful both of you are um, with each other, and you have a family. And it's like that. None of that stuff is easy. But in the early days, who chose who? Uh, it was me, like chasing a hundred percent. Okay, I saw her at uh, her cousin's engagement, who was a friend of mine. 
and she just come off vacation, so she was tan, she was wearing a, like a nice white dress and whatever. And I was like, I was like, whoa, who is this chick? And I tried to talk to her, and she had she wanted nothing to do with me. She's like, get out of here, you're like you're a party boy, like I'm not interested in any of this stuff. And uh, so I had to pursue quite aggressively, and it was actually in the pursuit that I realized that I wasn't being myself. Like she wanted the version of me that I am now, and I was like pure like. Uh, peacocking to try mm-hmm. to like attract her and I was like totally turning her off so it was like learning to do to like she actually she is the best version she brings out the best version in me in every aspect of our lives uh, and I don't think I have anything I have without her so uh, it was always me pursuing and it will continue to always me be pursuing for pretty much the rest of our lives. I love that because she grounds you and gives you almost the that foundational support that you need to feel confident in you. Totally. Um, I think we spend a lot of time not being ourselves, which is kind of interesting with your, the, the premise of your podcast, right? Yeah. It's like we're so busy trying, especially because of social media, trying to be someone else. Um, so I think it's ironic, actually, that she grounds you to be you know, exactly who you are. Everybody's got their person, right? Like yeah. You do, too. I do, but, yeah. it took, but the difference for me is it took me such a long time to find my person. I kept, because I'm a PR person, I kept making all these PR decisions in my personal life. So I'm like, oh, but he's a race car driver, check. Oh, but he's really, you know, cool and interesting, check. Like, it was more like, it was, I was using PR as the tool to make these decisions. And really, ultimately, at the end of the day, I needed to really think about, well, what do I really care about? Like, what what are my values? And I just want someone that's really caring and nice and, and loving and supportive. But you think that those are givens, but they're not. No, no. Yeah. Uh, I, I seriously think that God has blessed me in that. I, uh, she, you know, she was my first girlfriend. I didn't know that. Yeah. I knew you guys met when you were really young. She was my first that. girlfriend. Like, she's not the first woman I've spoken to, but she's the first person that I ever like. I remember I was I was sitting with my friends. These are not lightning round questions, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is a full of, I feel like, like this is Oprah, yeah. but it's, it's good. It's <laughs> Um, yeah, she was my first girlfriend. I'll leave it at that, and I'll tell you the story offline. Okay. But she, she, um, uh, I, I have like all of my life experiences lived with one person. I'm so blessed, and I know that it's not normal to to have to find that person right away, and it's totally okay to not right. Like literally, a, everybody else journey. doesn't. Everyone has their sort of lessons in life, and I feel like sometimes they're relationship lessons, and if you don't learn them the first time, you're going to keep repeating them over yes. and over and over again. So for you, I feel like you learned your lesson when it comes to relationships because mm-hmm. you you wouldn't have gotten, Marina, if you uh, didn't stop peacocking. Yes. And so you have to learn that pretty quickly. And so now that part of your life is like, okay, got it. And then you just go on to like the other lessons that you have to learn. There's a season for peacocking, and I think I was just done my, <laughs> my season. Okay. Uh, next question. We're still in layup territory here. Uh, you are bi-coastal. Yeah. You, you live in two different areas, Toronto and Cal- or Ontario and California. Mm-hmm. What do you like better? I like both, actually. I love Toronto in the spring, summer, and fall. Right. Um, and I love California in the winter. It's the sunshine. I just, um, we just went through, what, January and February, where we yeah. had zero sun. It was yeah. like six weeks of, it was just gray. Painful. It's painful. And I think it really um, is hard on your mental health. It's hard to stay motivated. It's hard to, hard to just be 
show up for yourself, never mind for others when it's that dark. So for, for the obvious reasons, I, I like California, but I love Toronto. Toronto's my home. I mean, my husband moved to Toronto from California for me. So Toronto's number one. That's what we're looking what? for here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Toronto-based podcast. Yeah, yeah. I love Toronto. I love our city. I love the people. Um, but I wish we had a little bit more sunshine. So, yes, uh, Toronto. Okay, your turn. My turn. Um, well, maybe, can I ask this? You can yeah. do whatever you want. Trust me, I'm an open book. You know that. Well, uh, so you... Um, the last company, or one of the companies that uh, you were part of, yeah. you made hundreds of millions of dollars for your shareholders, you know, for yes. the company, like you, super, super successful. Yes, yes. Um, when did you know it was going to be successful? Um, honestly, it's like the stock market told us we were successful before we accepted it. Uh, like, we were, we were grinding for so long. Like, I know everybody sees Terrasen, the, the company yeah, yeah, Terrasen, yeah. Uh, uh, as the successful version of what it is today, yeah. uh, when, but for the three or four years before it became successful, it was us pushing extremely hard with very minimal results or, or like uh, to, to, to like to show that we're doing well. So, so you didn't have signs necessarily that you were on the right. We track. were we were out of money, like so we did that equity the the, the consequential equity rate yeah. that we did happened on November fifteenth. We would have ran out of money December first, so and then literally November fifteenth happened. We had not, we had to like halt our stock, and we went and we like press release, and like in three days, it was like the company's now it went from being worth like 50, 60 million to be worth like three, four hundred million, like just because it went crazy up, and then all of a sudden like people that we were trying to call were calling us, and like the congratulations messages came in, and all this stuff. So I just knowing that it was a success happened like well after we'd actually done the work and and like finished the contracts and like like we built it into something mm-hmm. and then we got the satisfaction. So what was the lesson in that? Just keep going? You have to keep going. It's it's darkest before the dawn. Yeah. That is the lesson. So you have to go through. It's like there's no going back. You just have to keep going. Like when you think you're ready to give up and like there were times when we were like let's just sell this thing. We actually signed a contract with somebody to sell them our company for a fraction of what we thought it was worth, but it gave our investors uh, like downside protect- protection, and uh, it and literally we pulled the plug on them because this thing happened, and they were not happy, and we had to like apologize, and, but you have to look out for yeah. your people. That's interesting. Yeah. So good question. Good question. Okay, now I'm spicing it up. This <laughs> houndstooth isn't gonna drink itself. Uh, I know, I want people to see how it pours. Someone's yeah, got a drink. I'm going to do well. You, you might right now. What's the most you've ever made on a campaign or client? <laughs> <laughs> you can drink if you want. I'm going to drink. All right. right. <laughs> I can't, I can't, this is how like. Yeah, it does, no, no, for sure. <laughs> I'll pour myself one because I feel like, oh, is wow. Is that more great? I know. Great. And it tastes it's just like vodka. So. That's okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. Let's, can we like highlight this a little bit? I know. Oh. Isn't it so chic? Very. Black on black. Okay. Okay. But Cheers. I'm not really going to like down the whole thing, right? Oh, no, you really do. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we get the truth from Natasha. Oh, my God. Okay, mm. you can do a half. Halves are good. Because I'm pretty sure it's a double shot. Here, take okay. it. Thank you. Um, your turn. Ooh. 
Well, now you know that the spice level is going to increase, oh. so you can feel free to let loose on your questions. Oh my gosh, okay. Um, what do you think is, um, I mean, this is probably too, too not spicy enough, but I'm okay. actually so curious, but what do you think is um, the, your greatest quality that has made you successful? Um. Yours are so nice. I don't feel well, like such you, like you know what? Because I'm so curious. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, it's just like I, I admire you so much. Oh, that's um, a two-way street, by the way. Because you're you're so um, you're so down to earth, and you're so open and honest with um, who you are. And so I'm just curious what you think is you know your sort of your superpower. Um, I'll tell you what Marina thinks my superpower is, which I'm, I, I will. Proudly pay. Uh, I was a wallflower growing up. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I didn't have my voice and I, and I felt very uncomfortable. Uh, so I can very quickly identify the most uncomfortable person in the room. And I have now have the confidence and the like the salesmanship to gravitate towards them and bring them out of, the, out of their shell. Because I find that when you bring that person out of their shell, the, the area around you and like the vibe of that room gets substantially better. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if I could take any superpower, it, it'd be that. Like that, that's an awesome one for me because um, the line of work that I'm in, I'm always reading people. Like I always yeah. have to see the person in, in front of me and you can either use that for good or bad. I, would, I just want to use it for good. I want people to feel good. I want them, I want to leave a positive impression on the person that I'm talking to. So. Uh, finding, like, being able to read people is probably a very helpful uh, superpower. That's really important, actually. It means that you care about being interested in people more than being interesting, um, which yeah. I think is really important. Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to do a shot just because. Like, I can't, you know, I can't <laughs> just, like, leave it. you alone. I literally, um, I never drink, so it's like I'm already all, um, all Well, you're not going to like this one. Uh... You said you're never going to kiss in style, so I was going to ask who's the worst client you've ever had of all time. Oh, I... I, I we'll skip that yeah, one, because yeah, you already kind of yeah, answered yeah. it. But this is my last question, so I'm going to make it spicy and yeah. you have to do your shot. Uh, that was one answer. Have you ever done Molly? <laughs> no, I, I mean, I can answer it. Oh, of course that's... Not. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm I, I of course not, mostly because I'm very... Um, I, I just... I, I don't love being out of control. Like even me just yeah. taking a shot right now was like, oh my god, I feel a little like all flustered. Isn't it good? Yeah, I know. It's really I know. Like, that's I, know. Yeah. I invested in, in this a couple of years ago, and uh, we just got um, approval to be in the U.S. And I'm so excited about it because I'm just like, it tastes so good, but it's also like a bartender's dream. Totally. Because like there isn't another vodka that's actually black. This is and such a like uh, like. This will fly off, shall I know, no. yeah. I, I love it. We have some RTDs um, in this space. But yeah, I mean, I can honestly answer that because I, um, okay, well, I know, I've never done Molly. But okay, I'm, I'm going to ask something that's not on here because Go you're ahead. asking me like these fucked up questions. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> there we are. Do you watch porn? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I'll still do my shot. <laughs> Who does it? Yeah. <laughs> mm. Okay, let's jump into okay. the meat. Uh, I realized I didn't really do a good job introducing you, so would you be so kind as to introduce yeah. yourself? 
Um, so I'm the president of NKPR. We just celebrated our 20th anniversary last year. Um, and I run a PR marketing digital agency. Uh, we represent artists. Um, the foundation of NKPR is very much around picking and choosing who we work with and what we work on. Uh, we're not necessarily an agency that's specific in one industry. We work in a lot of different industries uh, with clients and brands that are aligned with our, our values. Uh, I mean, like, I will, can I boost you a little more? Because you're, you're obviously, like, being very humble. Uh, as I stare at Natasha, I'm also looking at the wall behind her. That is like, <laughs> so NKPR is Canada's fastest growing company. We have Canada's top 100 most powerful women, uh, Canada's top female entrepreneur, and then she's got several profiles and features in magazines that are framed and highlighted. Uh, like you are truly a uh, like cornerstone in, in like Canadian PR. Like, and I know that you would never say that about yourself, but you are that. Um, you've worked with the gamut of clients, like from like the biggest bigs to like lowly people like me. That's how we got to know each other. Um, and the advice that you give, you're so much more than PR because you actually help people. Like you, I know you only take on clients that you care about, um, and you poured your heart and soul into making them things that they can't even believe that they were like. This setup doesn't happen without Natasha telling Babson that you need to put yourself out there more. Thank you. It, it, I um, I do very much feel, like I do put myself into every account that we work on and I feel like um, I'm really passionate about it. My goal was never build this, you know, build a huge company. My goal was um, help build people up, help build businesses up. Uh, that you're really passionate about and that we're going to make sure that we're behind 100%. And so, uh, yeah, for me, that's really important. I mean, I was on call with a client this morning uh, with this, like, wild idea, but I couldn't stop thinking about it all night. I sent him a text last night, and I said, call me. I have this really great idea after I watched John Wick. And you're right. Obviously John Wick, and I have to my heart. It's so good. Okay. <laughs> and um, I sent him a text, and he never got back to me. And then I called him this morning. I'm like, dude, I have a really, really great idea. And I took him through it. He's like, wow, that was yeah. So do you want to do it? And he's like, okay, let me think on it. I'm like, okay. But it was just one of those, like, it was like the, one of the biggest celebrities in the world partnering with, like, a Canadian um, brand um, and the marriage of the two. Like, it's just, I can't, I can't tell you, but, like, it would be huge if he allows us to do it. I have no doubt that it will be huge. Um, I'm going to go to, like, my – so we already talked about this when you started NKPR. Um was NKPR a success from day one? Um, I guess define success. Uh, I mean, for me, I would say, yeah, because my goal was, I was working at an ad agency before and I started a PR division for them. Right. And I had to promote everything that got put on my desk because whatever they got, I had to leverage from a PR sure. perspective. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be able to pick and choose what I worked on. And so for me, um, my very first client was Visa Canada, leveraging their film festival sponsorships across the country, which I knew how to do. And my second client was CIBC. So I would say, yeah, kind of. Yeah, like, <laughs> um, yeah. By I, anybody's <laughs> standards, those are two very big accounts. And, yeah, yeah, I think for me it was um, a lesson in uh, believe in yourself. Uh, I mean, which is ironic because we're like the piece above us is believe, and I think that's important. Um, but I just wanted like like highlight one thing that you said because even though the people that you 
just mentioned or the companies that you just mentioned are signs of traditional success. That's not the reason that you said they were successful. You said they were successful because you considered yourself a success because you were doing things that you wanted to do. Exactly. Um, it wasn't, you're right, it wasn't, the success wasn't that I had like two of the biggest companies in the world, yeah. the brands. Uh, for me, it was more because I had the opportunity to choose that that's what I was going to do. Um, yeah. I chose myself. Just the fact that that's the way that, like, you're you're entrepreneur wired. You're like, For sure. you are not, uh, like, like most people, like, I was successful because of this. You're like, no, I was no, successful. No, for me, it was really more the choice of picking and choosing. And those clients in particular got to work with my friends because my friend um, uh, Jennifer was running Visa Canada at the time. And then uh, my friend Sarah Sazer, who I still work with today, uh, was the director of marketing at CNBC at the time. And so it was this opportunity, and then the CMO, Stephen Graham, I still speak to to this day, and then John Hunter, who's a big mentor of mine. Right. Um, it's it's because of the people that I got to work with that felt so validating uh, mm -hmm. for me. That's so good. Yeah, I yeah. loved it. Um, okay. You've been in PR for a while. How has it changed over the years? Oh, gosh. I mean... It's a totally different game. Like when I started in PR, I was still calling media people because they'd still answer their phone, <laughs> like their actual phone, not their cell phone. Right. Um, you know, we would read the way PR worked before is I would read the newspaper and I would see an article that I, I, I liked. I would look at how can I pitch that to particular media person because of it. Sponsorship was a big thing, events. Well, that doesn't it doesn't work in the same way anymore. I remember when Instagram and Facebook started. I was like, okay, I need to get on top of this because I want to make sure that we become our own media outlet as mm -hmm. opposed to having to rely on the media because I could see the decline in the media landscape. Right. And so now if you look at all the tools we have in our toolbox, I mean, we can um, we can do social media, we can look at video content, we can actually direct market mm -hmm. our clients. We have influencers that create content for us where we can actually tap into their network as well. And then, of course, you have events and, you know, all the other things in media relations. But we just have way more tools in our toolbox. And from a PR perspective, I think the biggest lesson for me was always how do you, you have to stay open to everything that the world has in front of you or right. is opening up. Of course. Because I had friends that were in the PR business when social media started, but they were like, well, I don't need to care about social media because it's going to go away. I'm like, I don't think so, but okay. <laughs> That's a huge pivot, right? Like mm -hmm. that, the fact that you can see that trend coming and action it is probably what saved. Yeah, I don't think I'd have an agency right yeah. now if I didn't do that. I mean, say, like we were able to bring our clients into social media. Like Lori Orko has been a client of ours for 17 years. Mm -hmm. And we were the ones that started their Facebook account, their Instagram accounts. Like we were very early. Um, adopters of that space and even now you know when I look at what we're doing with AI we're embracing it we're leaning into it we're not worrying that it's going to take over PR because you still need someone that's going to develop the strategy but how do you be as efficient as you can with your time so how do you use I'm just out of curiosity yeah, yeah. Totally off the cuff but like how, how does well we look at AI so let's say like for example um, when we're looking at social media content right. normally it would take us hours and hours to create content well, what you can do is if you feed AI properly, mm -hmm. you can actually get the content. You still have to edit it. You still have to come up with a strategy. But right. you could just save yourself hours of time. And at the end of the day, we build against time. Mm -hmm. And our clients pay us for time. So why don't we 
look at where we can put our time that is best used to maximize our efforts for our clients. So the clients see the value. Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's fantastic. You're always trendsetting. <laughs> um, obviously over 20 years, you've had to let clients go. How do you do that? <laughs> well, uh, the same way I probably break up, used to break up with boyfriends, like I always had a hard time going through breakups. I would say it's not, it's not me, it's not you, it's me. So right. it always, it's but like, it is, that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I tend to do that with clients as well. You okay. don't really need us. You could do something else, like. You can edit that. We don't even have to talk about that if you want to be giving out your secrets. So. No, I mean, listen, I, I think when it comes to, it, it's about fit, right? right? Like, I think for me, if I ever break up with a client, it's because they put my team in a bad position mm -hmm. or have been disrespectful to the team. And to me, I'll always choose my team before I choose a client. And so it hasn't happened often, but when it does happen, it's because I feel like the team has been disrespected. And there's no coming back from that. And like I said, I'll just always choose the team. All right. I mean, like, mama bear instincts aside, always. like, like you, as somebody who understands like the value of the team that boosts us, like, I'm I'm nothing without the team that supports me, right? Like, Likewise. Like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm effectively now I'm a, I'm a figurehead. Like I'm, but I like obviously the decisions, the, the important decisions will come to my desk, and I have to. I have to action those, but there's so much trust and respect that we have to give these people. So if somebody was, I'm just thinking, like if, if somebody disrespected my team, I'd be like, that's the only time it's yeah. happened, honestly, is um, I just feel like my team will always take priority. Okay, so uh, you're in PR, you're doing your thing, and then last year I get like email notifications and and like media hits about the Natasha. <laughs> yeah. So tell me when you became a developer, like when you started like walking into to our our like my newly found career. Your world. Yeah. Um well one of our clients is Lantero Developments, which is a huge developer in the city. Not respect. Um and Mark Mandelbaum, who's uh, um, the founder, uh, called me into his office one day and he said, I have a great idea, an awesome idea. I'm like, what is it? And if you know Mark, you know that he's very um, he's probably one of the, I think, most brilliant marketers out there. Um, he really is. Yeah. And so he's like, well, you know, we bought this, this property on Adelaide Street, just two blocks away from your office. And how would you feel if we called it Nata the Natasha? And I was like, I, I, I thought he was kidding. I'm like, really? That's he's so like, cool. yeah, because, you know, he's like, you're so, um, uh, you're a mentor to so many people and you're looked up to in so many ways. And, and, I think the word you're looking for is icon. Well, you won't say it for yourself, yeah. but I'll say it um, for you. Yeah. And so, and and I'm very particular about my aesthetic. And so he said, I would love to look at what a licensing agreement uh, with you would would look like. And so that's when Natasha the Residences was born. Pre-sold, it's done. We sold almost half a billion dollars worth of inventory in four weeks. So seventy-five percent of the building yeah. sold in four weeks. It was pretty uh, impressive, and the only reason the last twenty-five wasn't is because we sold onto it. Yeah, um, we're officially groundbreaking now, um, and um, you know the, the remaining twenty-five percent will get sold um, as the building starts to go up. But yeah, it, it was very, very cool, and I uh, I loved every minute of it because I got to work with Alessandra Munch, who's mm -hmm. one of my favorite designers, right. and 
Uh, yeah, and we just created this amazing aesthetic, everything from the actual suites to the amenity space. Um, and, and I have two units in it myself, so I'm very excited. I mean, I've seen, I've paid close attention to this thing. It, it is truly stunning. Yeah, like, it, it, it's... You can tell the Natasha signature is, is on that project. I can't wait. Um, okay. Uh, two more subjects I want to talk about, yep. uh, but they're completely unrelated. So let's deal with the entrepreneurial stuff first, and then we will talk about APJ. Um, what advice would, this is an entrepreneurial podcast, and most of the people that listen to this are still trying to find their way. Mm-hmm. Um, so what advice would you give 20-year-old Natasha or 25-year-old Natasha that is, although like she's like 27 now, so like, you know, two years ago. Um, would you give that earlier version of yourself before the success and before you figured out that you want to start your own agency and like all that stuff? Like, you know, there's usually nuggets in that that people really listen to and resonate with. So I'd love for people to hear what you got to say. I think the biggest uh, thing is to be patient with myself. Um, and I think that's where a lot of um, young entrepreneurs struggle with because you see on social media, everyone puts their best foot forward. And Absolutely. so you think everyone's really successful, but the reality is, is everyone has their own journey and their own lane. And I think one thing is like, I don't look at a competitor's sites, for example. I never, I, I never waste my time on what someone else is doing. I'm always sort of looking at like, what could I be doing? And right. so when I think about my 20, 25 year old self, I would be like, be patient with yourself and like, trust your instinct mm-hmm. because you want to trust what everyone else is doing, but you really have to trust what is inside of you. Right. Um, and so I feel like, um, patience probably is the answer. I, I wish that I could would would have been more patient with myself. Um, not that you know would change anything, but it's just yeah, patience. Like you're gonna be fine. It is virtue. Yeah, yeah. it's so true. It's uh, but I think young people today really struggle with that because there's this need to have to be successful at this, mm-hmm. and the reality is is that's not always the case no. and if you think about some of the most successful people yes some of them come into it like early on but some people don't come into it until much later and so you just have to allow yourself um you know the flexibility or the patience to to lean into it whenever it's your time so like run your own race yeah for yeah. sure um i mean very safe advice uh let's shift gears completely and talk about artists for peace and justice um this is I would love for you to introduce it, and then I will tell you how I feel about it, but it's more important for you to describe this thing. So for me, um, showing up for you know myself and for others has always been really important. I did a, a TED Talk about it a few years back, and being um, uh, philanthropic and making sure that I leave the world a better place than I came into it has always been sort of my, my motto uh, from a very you know uh, early age. And so Arts for Peace and Justice um, is a charitable organization that I helped start 14 years ago. And what we did was we built the very first free high school in in Port-au-Prince in Haiti, Mm -hmm. because there is no free education beyond junior high school, um, which is just unbelievable considering Haiti is, uh, you know, three hours away from Toronto. It's the other side of the Dominican Republic. Um, And I had started the organization before uh, the earthquake even hit. And so when the devastating earthquake hit in Haiti, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of people died, um, so many families and kids were displaced, and so uh, our, one of our first fundraisers um, was just after the earthquake hit, and we had 
scrolling and seeing some of the biggest celebrities um, out there um, help uh, to basically fund our very first school. We bought land, we bought the school, and um, we've had 27,000 students that we've helped provide an education for yeah. um, that would never exist in Haiti um, if it wasn't for um, Artists for Peace and Justice. You're, I mean, I got involved, I only know about APJ because of you, um, and I've seen over the years the work that that gets done, and at, like, as you get more involved and you start to see you know what you did the year before and how it's translating and, trans and, the, and the people it's helping year over year even in my small time of knowing it's probably four years it's like you've seen people graduate we've right? seen people graduate we've seen um you know uh, a story that comes to mind is when one of my trips to um, city soleil in, in port-au-prince which is one of the most dangerous parts in the western hemisphere mm -hmm. and so i remember this little girl jumped into my arms um, and she could have been maybe three, four years old. And we were walking around, she was in my arms, and I think one of the pictures is um, up here somewhere. And um, we were walking around, and then her mother starts yelling in Creole. And I didn't know what she was saying, and my friend David Bell was with me at the time, and he translated, and what she was saying was, um, can you take my daughter? And as a parent, you know, yeah. she's not saying to take your her daughter because she doesn't love her, she's saying to take your daughter because she loves her. Yeah, because she felt so like I could give her a better life. And so you look at that situation, you're like, this is how devastating it is there. And then you fast forward 10 years and that same little girl goes to our school. Yeah. We gave her an opportunity to have a future, to have an education. And so that's the work of um, APJ. That's the drive. That's the drive. Yeah. It's such a beautiful cause and like I, I commend you for doing it. And I'm a proud supporter and will continue to be. I'm so grateful, thank you. Um, yeah, that, that is awesome. Uh, okay, one uh, parting question is, what's next? Mm -hmm. um, I just wanna keep doing what I'm doing. I, I think what's next is I wanna keep building uh, NKPR. I want to, uh, I wanna do another building. That is definitely, yes, I definitely want to do that. I, I loved okay. it. I loved the process. I loved every part of it. So I definitely want to do another Would one. you be more involved this time? Like, would you do it from like the ground up? Well, I was involved. I right? were. Yeah, yeah, I was. Really like good. I was involved even like looking at, like we have uh, just over 54 plans, which is mm -hmm. almost unheard of because we wanted to make sure that every square foot of the unit that you bought uh, was useful space. And so, I don't know if I'm going to be any more involved right. in this project, but awesome. um, I guess the only part I wasn't involved in is actually buying the land. <laughs> but but I felt pretty um, pretty involved. Um, I, I definitely want to do that. I you know one of the questions I know you were going to ask Agent, which was um, uh, what was my job before NPR? Yeah, I did want to. Okay? I know. <laughs> I, didn't want, I know about like your time. No, I know. But yeah. one of the things like I my first job was a retail job. And I loved retail because I love fashion. And that's so for me, and that was one of my favorite jobs mm -hmm. other than what I'm doing now. And so I'd love to at some point, and I used to actually, in junior high school, I used to design my own clothes. My mom and I would go buy patterns and I used to, she bought me a sewing machine, I used to sew wow, my own clothes. So, so like a dream of mine would actually definitely be to do something like create a direct, like a capsule collection or something. So I would love to do something like that. And I think the other thing is, is just, make sure that like NKPR continues 
to um, service our clients in the most meaningful way possible. Um, and so I just want to keep doing what we're doing. I have no doubt about the NKPR stuff or the condo stuff, really. And I think that if you <laughs> launch the line of clothing, it would just who you are, it would sell out in a minute, anyways. So I think that'd be really fun. It would be one of those like passion projects, but I feel like on the real estate side, like, don't you think? Okay, putting it out there. Okay, hit me. Okay, Muskoka. Yeah. Don't you think, whether it's Muskoka or Prince Edward County, if there was an actual resort? Yes. So, like, hotel residents right on the water, but like the most, like, the coolest, chicest experience? Um, okay, so I have like insight onto this. Ooh. Okay, so do you know that there there's been two attempts at Muskoka on Rosso? There's been, I mean, Cleveland House is uh, a very old, not resort style. And then there was the JW Marriott, yeah. which was something before that. Yeah. And then there's the Touchstone, which is on the other side of Rosso. Yeah. Um, it is a very viable business model, but I think you need to time it properly. Yeah. And building in Muskoka is like, it's hard to get trades up there. Yeah. So yeah, the yeah. costs end up going like through the roof. But if you put the right team people, together, oh my yeah. gosh, I like it needs it. It needs it because it's the only so place desperate. that's out there is like JW Marriott yeah. right now because there's nothing that's else. That's dated. It's dated. Yeah. yeah. And there's nothing. You, nothing wrong with JW Marriott. No, no, no. It's a we like it. Resort. We do. We beautiful do. We love resort. it. Yeah. But, but every like. Resort yeah. could use some competition, it has and there to. just isn't. So, um, yeah, we'll talk offline because okay. there's like there's a whole like there's there's a current of things that like there's there's a lot of momentum for for that to happen, but it would need like you guys to make it happen. It needs that. Yay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. You are the best for always agreeing to do my like little side. I'm so excited. Yeah. I love this. I'm so proud of you. And this is awesome. Oh, thank you this very so much. Good. Um, and we will, um, like, I, I know that the people that see this are going to be so, like, filled with motivation and inspiration. You are truly an inspirational person, at least to me. So they can believe that too, mm-hmm. that they will. Um, thank you again. Awesome. You're the best. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Bass and Hannah podcast. Uh, to catch more full-length episodes, you can you can go to our website, bassandhannah.com. That's B-A-S-E-M-H-A-N-N-A.com. Or you can catch us on Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, and full episodes of the audio podcast can be found on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. See you next time.